Welcome to the Drinking with Gin podcast. I'm your host, Ginny Preem. I'm that friend that you can chat with about anything. Relationships, career, travel, fashion, with zero judgment. This is a space where we will navigate struggles and celebrate triumphs and share some laughs along the way. This is your new favorite community that you didn't even know you needed in your life. I'm a speaker, author, and master certified professional coach. I call you, my friends, gems, because this is where we can all shine our brightest. And now that you're in the circle, you and all of the other gems can tune in for relatable, real talk. Hey, Jim, welcome back. And if today is your first episode of Drinking with Jen, welcome. Um, if you're watching us on video, you'll see that we have another fun guest today. So welcome to my friend, Lauren Shante. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, thank you for saying that. And now you're on the show, which is so exciting. Um, we always start every episode with what are you drinking? And I did notice you've got something in your hand. So what are you drinking? Okay, this is funny. It looks like a Starbucks cup, but I already had my coffee for today. So this is actually homemade green tea that I put back in my Starbucks cup because I'm extra like that. <laughs> I love it. So I, I have not been, my body has not been wanting coffee or caffeine lately. I don't know why I've maybe had and it, anyone that knows me that's listening is like, what? Like Ginny not drinking coffee. I'm like a two cups in, in the morning, every morning, and sometimes maybe in a third in the afternoon, but I've not been wanting it. So I've been drinking a lot of tea myself. So either like matcha or chai, have you heard of Bengal spice tea? haven't but it sounds fancy okay so I hadn't either until a couple of years ago a group of my girlfriends that don't drink caffeine introduced me to it it tastes kind of like chai it's like a spicy so I made a little bengal spice latte with almond milk so that's what I'm drinking today whatever you're drinking as you're listening along I hope it's delicious um and we'll just dig right into today's chat so Lauren and I met last year we share the same I call her my mentor and business coach. Is that what you would say the same? Yeah, definitely mentor for sure. Yeah. So my business coach, my mentor, Nicole Walter. So we both attended an event and we just clicked right away. We grabbed lunch together and then we were talking about what do you do? What do you do? And right away she was like, I need to come and be on your podcast. So we've had this in the works for a long time. And if you've been listening along, you've probably picked up that a big part of this podcast. And a lot of the talks that we do here is about growing through adversity. And obviously I share my own story in my book, you're my favorite and everything from there is relative. And so all the conversations that we've been having in the chat here, you know, if you think back to episode 13 wheelbox of narcissism, because that's what hits really close home for me and a lot of the work that I've done. And I'm sharing a lot of the components and pieces that come along with that. But I believe that we all have a story. And I also believe that trauma and adversity is a scale. And it's kind of this pendulum of what is traumatic or adverse to one person to the next is very different. But I think about it in this way of it's that moment that kind of shakes you to your core. And perhaps 
you know, really the definition of post-traumatic growth is that moment that makes you rethink and find a new way, an outlook of looking at life in a new way of doing things in life, almost finding a new purpose. And I know I've done that. And that was a big part of our conversation, Lauren, when we were sitting there at lunch is like, we all kind of have this story. And so while a lot of the components we've been unpacking, you know, up through what is this episode 30 now um, has been all of that. But I really felt like now is the time to start bringing in other people's stories to start sharing that because I'm not the only one that has one. And so Lauren, I'm so happy that you're here and like are ready to be vulnerable and authentic and kind of share with us your story of why we connected and you were like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to come on and and share mine. Yeah. Thanks for letting me invite myself on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I wanted you so bad. This is so perfect. Yeah. So I'm a wellness strategist and that's a title people don't often hear because it's one that I coined myself based off of my story and my experience with my weight loss journey. I have been in the fitness and nutrition fields for, I think it's coming up on 15 years now. And I have three kids. My oldest just turned 11. I'm an active duty military wife. And there's like a lot of twisty and turny turny stories that I could tell you guys, but really want to focus in on this one within wellness for me, because even though I had been in fitness and wellness for about five years before I had kids, I've been a celebrity personal trainer. I had my master's degree in exercise science with a concentration in strength and conditioning. I had trained pro athletes. I had a, a few clients who were pro golfers on the LPGA. I had a very robust resume in fitness and nutrition. And then I arrived at my own weight loss experience. And I found that I had a really, really hard time losing weight after having my oldest child. And there was a huge amount of shame associated with this because obviously I was supposed to be the expert in weight loss, fitness, and nutrition already. And very much back in that time, um, about 10 years ago now, the whole conversation about like body positivity and expectations around women's bodies, like it was really kind of just getting started. And I really felt a huge amount of pressure to get back into my pre-baby body. I had always been told when I worked in luxury gyms and I did the celebrity training that people will hire you based off of how you look, not based of how good your credentials are. And that was really something that weighed really heavily on me in my postpartum um, journey. I had just moved to Virginia from California. My husband was stationed there. So we were very much in a season of life where everything had been uprooted and kind of torn apart. I'd left all my friends. I'd left um, the place where we got married and we had our first child and moved to a place where we knew nobody, moved into a house in a neighborhood that was completely strange in a state that I had never even visited until we actually moved there. At the same time, I was going through all those changes that you go through after you have kids and your sense of identity is really shook up because all of a sudden everything that you thought you're you were about as a person becomes about your family right and trying to figure out what you believe about motherhood and all this stuff and so for me i really got fixated on this weight loss getting the baby weight off and i was trying everything you know i was going to the gym five days a week i was doing everything that i thought i should be doing nutritionally and i just could not get the scale to budge and more specifically i couldn't stick to 
the diets I was trying to do. I would be really good until like two or three o'clock. And then I would find myself binge eating. I would be like throwing food in the trash. So I wouldn't eat it and like picking it out of the trash and then pouring dish soap over it. So I wouldn't eat it. And I was looking at myself. I was like, who is this crazy person? Like, this is not who I am. This is crazy. But I just really was so hell bent on like, I'm going to get back in that pre-baby body. Right. And eventually one day I got so frustrated after a binge that I went into the other room and I knelt down on the white subway tile in my bathroom and I stuck my fingers down my throat and I made myself throw up. And I remember um, my son was in the other room thinking what kind of a mother would leave her, her child in the other room to go and make herself throw up, right? Because she was so ashamed of her body and so ashamed of her inability to stick to a diet. And as I got up, I felt that um, kind of brain fog that you feel when something traumatic has happened to you. And I kind of couldn't really like think straight. And I, I stumbled into the other room and it really should have been this moment where I was using that experience as evidence of my own brokenness, right? Like, oh, look, there's another way that Lauren's messed up. Like, I can't stick to a diet. I can't lose weight. I messed up in all these ways. And now here I am having a brush with bulimia, right? But instead in that moment, and, and I believe, you know, there was a higher power at work. I knew that I wasn't the problem. I said, you know, I have a master's degree in exercise science. I've been doing this for five years. Like, if I am at the point where I've been brought to my knees, literally, because of my obsession with getting this baby weight off, everything that I have been taught about fitness, nutrition, motherhood, bodies, women's issues, all of it is wrong. And I was sitting there looking at my son who was, um, he was just over one at the time. And I was like, this is not the type of mother that I'm going to be for him. This is not the legacy that I'm going to leave to him. This is not the legacy that I'm going to leave to daughters if I ever have daughters which I did I have two daughters after my son and um you know I wish I could say that like all the answers fell into place immediately in that moment they didn't but I made that that vow that I was going to figure this out and I spent the next several years researching researching everything not just from nutrition and exercise science but diving into things that we don't traditionally associate with wellness and weight loss things like sociology psychology behavioral psychology anthropology women's issues. And what I started to see, the more areas that I pulled from and the more pieces that I put together was that I was right. Everything that I had been taught about fitness, nutrition, and weight loss was really missing so many important pieces. And the way that we were teaching wellness to women was setting them up for risks to their mental health and ultimately to risks to their physical health. Because as you know, anorexia, bulimia, all of those things can ultimately result in death if you're not, if you're not able to treat it and take care of it. And it was this huge release as I learned all this information, because it was like, wow, my instinct was right. It really wasn't me. This is really a defect in the system, a defect in the philosophies that we have around wellness. And I'm finally positioned to do things better for myself. Right. So I started doing things better for myself. And as I did that, I realized that I could package what I was learning and I could communicate what I was learning in such a way that I could pass it on to other women. And I knew that I was not probably the only young mother who had ever experienced a brush with bulimia, who had ever experienced that extreme frustration after having a baby. And I felt obligated to start talking about it and to start paying it forward and to start teaching other women that there was a way that they could care for themselves. They could get the results they were looking for without having such a huge risk to their mental and physical health.
Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, <laughs> I think first of all, what's interesting is how you say, you know, that brain fog after something traumatic happens. It's like kind of how I explained initially of, you know, it's that moment that shakes you to your core, or sometimes it's that thing that slows or even stops time. And you remember it so vividly because it does shake you. And it's like the world is going on around you, but here you are kind of stuck in this moment of like shock. Like, how did that just happen? I'm the expert, right? For you, it's like, you're the expert. But I always say that even experts need help, right? Like therapists need therapy, coaches need coaching, you know, nutritionists need that guidance too, and that help and that support. And sometimes you had this whole plethora of things going on your world being you know changed overnight by having a child moving not knowing anyone probably having some sense of loneliness and then the hormones and all this stuff going on kind of came to a head and so like we talked about really the definition of post-traumatic growth is using that experience to find a new way of life and i think it's so amazing that you have found a way to kind of take everything that you've learned got on gone on this like healing and growing journey and then taking with you that information and bringing it to others to you know help serve and support others. So tell us a little bit more about what that looks like today when you work with your clients. Yeah, um, I love what you said, Jimmy. And, and someone said to me once, your mess can become your message, right? Yes. <laughs> and that's for me very much what happened. So I now teach my students in my wellness intensive, uh, a system of working with their bodies and with their psychology to create whatever wellness result they're looking for. For many people, it's weight loss. I do have some clients who come into my, into my program who are like, I don't care a single bit about whether the scale goes up or down while I'm here, I'm looking for something else, right? So whatever wellness means to them. And there's kind of different layers uh, of things that I work through that are very different from traditional fitness and dieting. And the first one is I really encourage people to get tapped into their unique body and what works uniquely for them. Um, and oftentimes what I think don't doesn't translate for many people is your body is so affected by your life, right? So for me as a mom of three, like I haven't had a good night's sleep in like 10 years, thanks to my beautiful children, right? That oh. that affects my body a lot. That would not work for me. I am a me, sleeper. <laughs> I think I got like nine hours of sleep last night because I am, and I'm not, I'm not saying that to brag, but like, I need that. Like I am someone who, if I don't get sleep, like watch out, it is, you are not... <laughs> I'm just like completely brain dead. No, and, and you're absolutely right. And so I have been completely brain dead basically no, the last for nine years. years. <laughs> oh, a walking zombie. And, um, you know, all of these lifestyle factors, whether it's that job with you working 60 hours a week or even just the relationships in our life that can end up being toxic and constantly stressing on our nervous system. Girl, that's what we talk about so much here, our toxic relationships and the impact that it has. Wow. And also what about people that travel? Like, you know, people that travel and are on a plane all the time. Like that's always something that I struggled with so much when I was in my corporate job. I traveled every week for... I don't even know how many years, probably 15 years. And I always would have people doing like these, you know, nutritional detoxes and, and resets that they'd want me to join. And I'm like, I can't, I like literally can't do it because I never have a stretch that I'm home and can meal prep and do that. So can you help people overcome those obstacles too? Totally. Absolutely. Because the, the thing is, 
wellness is only wellness if it's sustainable, if it's something you can keep up for the rest of your life. And I think a lot of times um, people do really well when times are good. And then when times are hard, your wellness habits or your diet is the first thing that goes out the window, mm. right? And that's because most traditional diets, the cleanses and the detoxes that you're talking about, they're pretty intensive when it comes to your energy commitment and your time commitment. And most of us, especially what I call the intellectual wonder woman, who is my ideal student in my program, we have a lot of responsibilities and we have a lot of mental load already. And we simply cannot tolerate things that take the rest of our mental load up. We need this to be manageable with our lifestyle and manageable with the bandwidth that we have left. And we also need to create habits that will not leave the moment that we go through a rough season. Like for example, I had a student, um, one of my first students this year who, when she started my intensive, um, almost immediately after she got COVID and then her husband got diagnosed with prostate cancer. And then one of her adult children had a mental health crisis. And then at the end of our six months together, her husband's company had to shut down due to a labor strike. So it was like, a terrible six months for her, but mm. she still was able to lose 16 pounds and get off of almost all the medications that she was on for diabetes, cholesterol, all these different things, because the method that I use helps people to work with what they actually have left at the end of the day, instead of requiring you to somehow reach into your pocket and find that 25th hour in the day, or to find that extra level of motivation, right? Like the key is really being met where you're at. And the first step, as I was kind of saying earlier, is understanding what actually your body needs, because most yeah. of us look outwards. We're like, we'll go on Pinterest, we'll print out some meal plan that somebody somewhere that we don't even know with a different body and a different <laughs> life than us made, and we'll follow it. And then we'll be surprised when we either can't stick to it or it doesn't create changes in our body, right? We're looking outward instead of acknowledging the internal cues, both things like, um, the things that we're feeling like our appetite and our intuition and also like our ability to use our own brains to evaluate whether something is working or not. Like we just like shut off our brains and we're like, sure, I'll pay you $27 for a meal plan and I'll follow it. No girl, you are smart. Like you are smarter yeah. than that. So let's learn to use all of that to understand what actually works for our body. So we're not spending all our time doing something that's not actually working anyways. Gosh, girl, I feel like sometimes as women, especially, we don't trust our intuition and ourselves enough. And I'm very big on intuitive eating because like you said, when you shut off the noise around you and kind of, you know, quiet that down and not have all this external influence of what you should or shouldn't be eating or how you should or shouldn't be exercising and, you know, what it takes to be skinny. And I feel like skinny is kind of a big fad and trend again right now. And when you actually can, like you said, turn inwards and internally to really understand what you need for your own body and to pay attention to how you feel when you are nurturing yourself with food. Yeah, that's so important. And I think something with intuitive eating that's not put out there enough is it's actually what's called a weight neutral tool. So it's not designed to help you to lose weight, right? And this is something that people who are like certified intuitive eating coaches and in the intuitive eating circle are like trying to get out there more because people are treating intuitive eating like it's a diet. Oh, and it's really it's really not actually intended to be that. It's meant to be weight neutral. And that makes sense with how our body's physiology works because your intuition is designed to keep you alive and really 
um, not eating never really results in keeping you alive in terms of your body's view of things. So I, I love intuitive eating, but I also sometimes find that what happens is people are not informed about it. They go on it expecting weight loss. They don't get weight loss. And then two things happen. They're disenchanted with listening to their bodies and their intuition. And also it's just one more experience where they're feeling like, look, I messed up again, another diet I couldn't stick to. And they start to feel like their body is broken or like they are broken. And that is one of the most dangerous things in my experience from a mental health perspective is to continue repeating wellness experiences that keep making you feel like there's something wrong with you because really that's rarely what it is yeah. it's just that you haven't found the strategy or the unique formula that allows you to lose weight because people aren't teaching you how to find things that are unique to you yeah so how much of what you do is helping like set expectations a lot <laughs> I have to imagine, yeah. right? Because like you said, you're setting it up in the beginning to like create a really great customized plan. And that's one of the things that I loved when you and I, we've chatted a few times before we got on here to really talk about like, how, like, what are we going to dig into? And one of the things that was most appealing to me is that you do not do a one size fits all. I feel like so many nutritionists or nutritional therapists or dietitians, I mean, it, it's such a, there's so many different titles, but they teach what works for them. And you don't do a cookie cutter approach. It is so customized and tailored to that specific individual. And that's why so many of your clients get incredible results. Yeah. And I tailor not just the food and exercise part, but also the psychology, like teaching people how mm -hmm. to make the next right decision that they'll actually stick to. And everyone's psychology and their readiness to change is different. So that actually to me is just as powerful in my program as the data-driven stuff that I teach to help people figure out what actually works for them. Um, so that's the two sides of it is focusing on understanding your unique, unique body and then also your unique mind. And then through all that, I'm always like looking for the toxic mindsets that you need help releasing. I, I used to do like self-study with my course where I would just like let people buy it and go through it. But I started to realize that um, you need someone to be your check and balance, to listen to you when you start saying things that aren't consistent with who you say you're trying to become or the beliefs that you have already decided you want to try to let go of. And that has been a huge very valuable experience for my students and my intensive is just having that time and that face-to-face -to, -face to really make sure that what's going on inside of their head is changing. Because when we're surrounded by diet culture and fitness culture messages all the time, it's really easy to revert, even when you know what your truth is, back to what the world says the truth is. Yeah, because it's it's everywhere. You know, you open a magazine, you turn on the TV, you go on social media, it's everywhere. And that's not new. I mean, I even think back to, gosh, when I was a teenager and growing up, you know, the diets and the trends, it was the low fat diet, you know, and there's- Olestra. You remember Olestra? Olestra, oh my gosh, yes. Tear those chips, right? Like that were, oh my gosh, so many things, but these are like, this isn't new. And so I, like I said, I love your approach in terms of how you cater to the individual needs. And I think it is so important to kind of shut off that external noise because we've all been exposed to it really our whole lives. And then it's the patterns of our parents and how we grew up eating and the relationship with food that we have for that. Because I also, um, I've never talked about this publicly, but when I was in high school, I definitely, like I starved myself and I would make myself throw up. 
And so that was another reason why I thought that this message was so important. And um, one of my friends ended up telling a teacher at school, and then they were obligated to tell my parents and, you know, my dad, he was so wonderful about it. Like he didn't know a lot about nutrition. He was like, I'll get you whatever kind of milk you want. If you want 2% or 1% or skim, you know, because again, that was like the low fat kind of trend in right. days back then. But that was, you know, that was a hard time. And I think that I've always kind of had in the back of my mind, I mean, my weight, you know, and my body fluctuates quite a bit over the years. And sometimes I'm like definitely more body conscious and aware and, you know, very into it. And I feel like I've got a pretty good balance now where it's like, it, it fits and works into my life, like my workout routines and my nutrition and like splurging when I want to splurge and having the wine and, you know, kind of just figuring it out. But, you know, I, I don't think about that that often, you know, that I went through kind of that struggle period. And not only did I starve myself and make myself throw up, I also took all the pills. So if you remember, um, oh my gosh, Ma Wong and like all of those pills that were super big, that were so bad for your metabolism and yeah. for your heart totally and for everything. Like you didn't actually know if that's what you were getting in the pills because the USDA and the FDA don't super regulate supplements. Yeah. yeah. It's so dangerous. Really. It's, it's dangerous. It's not good for us. It's not, like you said, it's not good for our mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of what this, you know, comes back to too. So yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I know it's like a big deal mm -hmm. to share that for the first time. I actually, when, when it comes to my experience with disordered eating, I didn't even really register it as a huge part of my story until I was on a top podcast and the host asked me this question that just drove me back to that moment and it all came spilling out for the first time. I hadn't even shared it with my husband when oh, wow. I first shared my story about wanting me myself throw up and it was on a podcast that was going to be downloaded by hundreds of thousands of people. So it's a, it's a big deal when we share that stuff for the first time. And I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners who have probably done and experience similar things that they've never shared with anyone. So I just, you know, for those of you who are listening, who are in similar positions to Ginny and I, I just want you guys to know that you're not alone. This is a really common experience. It doesn't mean that anything is wrong with you. And I just hope that you can be like Ginny and I, and that your mess becomes your message. Yeah. And that's what I was, I was going to say, just to, you know, echo that it's like, you're not broken. You're not, you're not broken. It's a lot of the societal pressures that are around us and there are, you know, ways to move beyond it mm -hmm. and to get healthier, you know, and it both physically and, and mentally and have a, a healthy relationship with food. Because I think that's really what it comes down to is having a, a healthy relationship with food and with your body. And, um, that's what you can help people do, which I think is wonderful. What a great way to be able to serve and help other people from your experience. So one of the questions I was going to ask you is, would you change it? No, no, it was my rock bottom, but really looking back, it could have gotten so much worse and it didn't. Sometimes you need something to be just bad enough to wake you up and kind of give you that slap across the face. And, but not so bad that it actually wrecks your life. Right. And that was what that was for me. And I, you know, I have never wanted since I went to school for exercise science, I have never ever wanted to do anything else other than this. So I am just really blessed that I had that experience at the beginning ish of my career, because I know so many people who have worked 
with wellness and nutrition coaches who have literally made them sick. Like I, I was having a conversation with a man uh, a couple months ago who was telling me about how he was trying to lose weight with this nutritionist and his hair started falling out because he mm. was on a nutrition regimen that was so strict and so bad for his body. And, you know, if I hadn't had that moment, who knows what kind of coach I would have become. If I would have become one of those people who said, you can't eat gluten, you can't eat red meat, you can only eat fish. And that's just like, so the opposite of who I am now. So it's, it's definitely been a blessing. Okay. This is a little bit off topic, but I was watching the voice last night and Kelly Clarkson didn't turn around for a contestant because she said she sensed nerves and she is not a good coach for nerves. And so I feel like you just kind of leaned into that too. You're like, this is the kind of coach I am and I've become and can cater to, mm -hmm. you know, people. And I love that you're like, who knows what kind of coach I would have been, you know, if this didn't happen for me. And so it feels like you've really come to this well-rounded place and your energy is off the charts. Your passion is incredible. Like I know how you invest into your clients and your people. So how do people, how, and you work virtually, so you can work with anybody anywhere. All over the how, world. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> okay. So how do people find you to work with you? Yeah. You can go to laurenchante.com. That's C-H-A-N-T-E. And there's all sorts of ways on there. Um, you can schedule a call to learn about my intensive, it's a really casual time just to hop on and find out if we're a good fit. I do really try to screen people to make sure that I'm the right fit for them. I don't want anyone making an investment and working with me if I'm not the right coach for them. So the best step is really just for us to talk to each other. Okay. And I think that in itself speaks volumes because if you're like, this isn't the right fit, like it's, I think when people can say that and do that, that speaks volumes. I mean, just to say like, you want truly the best for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if it's not the right fit and you don't think that they're going to, you know, maybe it's that they're not invested or mm -hmm. they're not open enough to try, you know, what you're willing to do, or they just want some sort of a fad diet. If you're not the coach for them, like that shows how invested you are in everyone getting the results that they deserve. Yeah. Well, it's, you can't teach wellness by talking at someone there. There's a level of experience that people have to have before they work with me. Like they have to have uh, it can't be your first time trying to lose weight because if it's your first time trying to lose weight or be well, you don't understand yet why all the cookie cutter diets won't work and why like you can't just go do paleo or keto. Like you're, you're going to want just to have a meal plan. You have to have a level experience for that. And something else that I've really thought about a lot lately is I need people to have already tried self-love and body positivity because my students are really smart and they know that hustling for their self-worth through their body is not really a thing that they want to try to achieve. Um, and so many of the people who come to me, if they haven't already tried body positivity and self-love and figured out that they just can't, they can't stay there, that they still need to create some sort of physical change, um, they won't be invested in the wellness aspect of it. It's really interesting, like really getting to know the people that you work with. Okay. What's interesting to me is every, there's been a component of everything that we've talked about today. So I developed gin path, which mm -hmm. is my path through growing through my adversity. Mm -hmm. Every single part 
all three, the G, the I, and the N has been touched on today. So when you talked about going through hitting your rock bottom, you started gathering information, understanding. And then, you know, we talked about nurturing our bodies with food and nurturing can look a lot of different ways. It can look like exercise. You know, I talk often about for me, how I love meditation and that has changed my life and changed me so much. And now what you're talking about with the body, with like the body positivity and the self-love that's intentions, Mm -hmm. like speaking to ourselves with intentionality and I do that with some of my friends. Like one of my friends, like will talk terribly about her body. And I'm like, okay, let's try this again. My body is strong and beautiful. Like she works out like five, six days a week at least. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes people can't do that. So sometimes I'll be like, okay, try 10% kinder, try 10% nicer, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's not that you have to completely do a 180, but taking those steps to get to the point where you're trying to go is really critical. It's the most critical. That's it. That's all there is. It's the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Gem. Well, I hope you love this conversation as much as I did with Lauren Shantae today. She is a gem, a wealth of knowledge, a bundle of positivity, radiates joy, passion, enthusiasm. And if you want to work with her, I will put all of her information in the show notes. Um, You can visit her website, find her on Instagram. She's super fun to follow there too. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Thanks for having me. All right. Until next time, shine bright and let's get growing. Oh, you gems. Thank you for listening and tuning in to Drinking with Gin. I have enjoyed connecting with you. And if you loved this episode, I need you to please go subscribe, rate, and leave a review for Drinking with Gin. And then to stay connected with me, head over to my Instagram. My handle is Ginny Prem. I can't wait to chat again with you gems next week.